2: Nothing so terrible as when a person's pride and self-determination, self-will shuts God out. The Bible teaches that when men persist in rejecting God, he will reject them.
1: Hmm, a chilling thought for sure. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse, an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno with the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's the senior pastor. And details about the church are available on the website, including all of the specifics regarding uh, special events happening during the month of December. That website is highlands.us. That's highlands.us. If you're looking for a church home, we'd love to see you and welcome you to the congregation at Church of the Highlands. Again, specifics about the ministry are on the web at highlands.us. We're in the book of John, and Pastor Layton has moved into chapter 19.
2: Jesus was also given a crown, and a crown is normally a representative of kingship, but in this case it was a crown of thorns, which may have been a mocking contrast to the crown of laurel leaves that were worn by Roman emperors. The word here for robe is generic, but in Matthew it's a specific word that describes the robe as basically that that was worn by Roman soldiers. According to John, the color was purple. According to Matthew, it was scarlet. And then when it says that they smote him with their hands, what what it's referring to is a game, a cruel game that Roman soldiers would play. Uh, All of the soldiers would show a prisoner their fists and they could do anything they wanted with the prisoner, including mutilation. And then they would blindfold the prisoner and all but one of them would hit the prisoner as hard as they could. And then they would remove the blindfold, ask the prisoner who it was who had not hit them. And then they'd do it again and again and again until they'd beaten the prisoner to a pulp. John's account of the mockery here is briefer than the accounts found in Matthew and Mark, We read there that Jesus was hit over the head with a reed that had been put in his hand as a mock scepter. Matthew and Mark also tell us that the soldiers knelt before their prisoner and spat on him. As prophesied in Isaiah 53, the question becomes if the crucifixion of Christ provided for our redemption and salvation, what then was the purpose of the scourging? And Peter tells us in his epistle that it's by his stripes we are healed. 1 Peter 2.24. So while the crucifixion provides for our redemption, the stripes that Jesus bore absorbed release the grace of healing for our physical bodies. God's love for us is truly amazing. The price that he paid for our redemption and our healing was enormous. When you consider that Jesus, God, left heaven the throne room of heaven, to live as a pauper among us, to reveal God's love for us, his plan for our salvation, and fulfill that plan by going to Calvary's cross, how can anyone respond with a simple, that's nice? Such love must move the heart if the heart can be moved at all. We love him because he first loved us. Yet some of us have been in church so long, we've heard this account so often, that it loses its impact upon us. We know he was beaten, we know he was marred, we know he was nailed to a tree, but it would do us good from time to time to go out and take a walk on the beach or one of the local paths and consider what Jesus did that day. That As he was going through these horrible things, he was thinking about you. And he was thinking about me. Some people here might say, well, he didn't know me. I didn't exist. Yes, Jesus was God incarnate, God in the flesh. God knows everything. God knew you before you were even born. He knew everything about you. He knew every sin you have ever committed. He knows every sin you don't know yet that you're going to commit. And he's paid it all. And he loves you. And it was paid that day. Verse 4. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold, a man. After having endured the bursting of the blood vessels in his prayer in Gethsemane, and the beating in the courtyards of the priests and the Roman soldiers... And this scourging, Jesus, was marred beyond all recognition. It's almost as though Pilate was having to tell the crowd, this is the man, this is really the man, this is the man Jesus. Because he couldn't be recognized with his face bruised and swollen and bleeding. He looked anything but a king. His designation is calling Jesus the man instead of the king here, stresses his view that Jesus is no danger to either them or to Rome. But the Roman priests, leaders, religious leaders, would not be so easily satisfied. Nothing less than Jesus' death would satisfy them. Verse 6, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Now a crowd had already begun to gather here, but it says it was the chief priests and their officers that cried out, Crucify him! And the repetition of crucify him describes the intensity with which they were demanding Pilate to put Jesus to death. It's similar to the chant of a mindless mob, like the kind we occasionally see on the news these days. Chanting, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. Now, of course, they couldn't, but what Pilate was trying to do here was to redirect any responsibility for Jesus' crucifixion away from himself. You know, all through history is this matter of finger-pointing. People over the centuries have tried to point a finger at somebody else and say, it's your responsibility Jesus was crucified. People have pointed the Jews and blamed the Jews and been used that as an excuse for many things that should never be done. Some have pointed to the Romans, but actually it was sinners you and me, that put Jesus on the cross because he went there of his own choice to pay the wages of our sin. Verse 7, the Jews answered him, we have a law and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. Now when Romans came in and took over, they allowed people to continue with their local laws unless they were in conflict with Roman laws and the law here is Leviticus twenty four sixteen: anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. The real reason they wanted to put Jesus to death was because he claimed to be God's son. And there have been people who have suggested that Jesus was just really a misunderstood teacher and a good man. He never claimed to be God or God's son. But that doesn't stand up to the scrutiny of history because it was for that very reason that he was put to death. Verse 8. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate, like most Romans, was very superstitious. You know, in in, uh, the Roman uh, religions of the various gods, there's stories of the gods coming and visiting uh, towns in human form. There's a story of uh, Hermes, that is, Mercury, and uh, Hermes is the Greek name, Mercury is the uh, Roman name, and, and Zeus, known as Jupiter as well, visiting a city uh, incognito and then revealing who they were. And, and, and this, these kind of stories filled him with fear that he may be in front of one of these gods and that God he's mistreating might take his supernatural power and and take vengeance on him. And that would have no doubt been stirred even further by the message from his wife saying, I've had this terrible nightmare, have nothing to do with this man for he's innocent. But Jesus gave him no answer. Jesus gave him no answer. Now, in the view of the fact that Jesus has had a free and open conversation with him before and after this question, the fact that Jesus stood silent in this question stands out. You know, it's a terrible day when God, when Jesus... He is silent to a man. The experience drove King Saul insane. And David, who was watching, was so concerned that he prayed, take not your Holy Spirit from me in Psalm 51. There's nothing so terrible as when a person's pride and self-determination, self-will shuts God out. The Bible teaches that when men persist in rejecting God, he will reject them. Verse 10. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Now, Pilate's question here is illuminating because in the last resort, it's only Pilate who can say crucify or release. And here he acknowledges that, and so it really makes nonsense, all of his efforts to try to get somebody else to make the decision. It was his decision to make, and he was responsible for it. Pilate has no authority over Jesus except that which is granted from above. And that from above is not a reference to Rome. It's a reference to heaven. And Jesus is asserting that God is over all governors. And since Pilate is limited in what he can do, the greater sin rests with the one who handed Jesus over to him. Handed over is the same word that's translated betray elsewhere. But it's not a reference to Judas because Judas didn't hand Jesus over to the Romans. He handed him over to the Jews. It was Caiaphas who led the Jews to hand Jesus over to the Romans. But that doesn't let Pilate off excused because the greater sin implies a lesser sin. And Pilate is guilty of that sin because he was in a position to let an innocent man go, but chose instead to save his own job and his own life. Now there's a lot more in this verse of what Jesus said, and I'd like to come back to it which is exactly
1: what we'll do on Monday at the same time. Thanks for coming along today on a Friday. I'm Mike Trout, and our teacher is Pastor Leighton Sheely. He is the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and they're on the web at highlands.us. This being December. Well, as you can imagine, we have some special events at Church of the Highlands. And the first one coming up is next weekend on December 11th. That's a Saturday. There will be a special carol sing at Hillsdale Mall. You can join us if you'd like. The details are on the website. That's Saturday, December 11th. And the website is highlands.us. Have a blessed rest of your day and your weekend. And when you're on the website, check out the service times if you'd like to join the congregation in worship at Church of the Highlands. And come back on Monday at this same time when we'll open the Word of God to the book of John and study verse by verse.